Welcome to the Powered by Age Age Friendly City Zoomcast Reality Style Podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Welcome to our first meeting in July, our first Thursday in July. This is Powered by Age, our age-friendly city. <laughs> I want to say reality radio. We are a senior-led podcast program. We have been emerging from uh, a physical space where we met to this platform. And what we do at the beginning each time, uh, we have people starting with me at Charlotte Farrell. I forget to say who I am, uh, the host, the coordinator for the program. And I'm going to eat, ask each person to just uh, say your first to last name and who you are. And um, we have a special guest that Morgan will also be introducing. Morgan was new to our group uh, last week. So uh, we'll start with Adele. Hi, everybody. My name is Adele Arop. Um, I'm a filmmaker uh, and a model and an activist in Vancouver. And uh, I've been working with Powered by Age for the last couple of months. And uh, yeah, it's been really great. And tell them your role. Um, so I'm pretty much uh, helping to mentor people with, uh, so I do, I'm a documentary filmmaker. Uh, so I'm helping people uh, Organized their, uh, like organizing groups and mentoring them through uh, the process of interviewing and kind of like whatever challenges that come up with learning how to use this technology or if they just have questions or yeah, whatever interests. <laughs> okay, and so later I'll be talking about going forward. As some of you know, uh, we are designating particular topics for each week. So I'll talk a bit more about that. And then people who want to work on that particular topic, you'll have one of the three of us as a mentor that helps the group to put their presentation together. So the area that uh, Adele is working with is both those people that are doing uh, what we call roving reporters or interviews, and the topic area is emotional emotional and alternative health. Robin will be coming on. She's an, a, um, in another meeting, learning something that will be valuable to us because it's on dealing with race and conversations. But her area is uh, general health and wellness, and then also uh, people who are doing stories. My area is food and nutrition, the group that I'm working with will be presenting next week, and then I'm working uh, genre-wise with poets. So toward the end of the meeting, we'll ask people, you know, if there are particular areas uh, that you are interested in so that we can schedule and target them in. Okay, so continuing with in introducing people, Leslie? Yes, Leslie Hebert. I'm a new Westminster resident. I teach ESL via Skype on the computer. 
and I'm also a writer. I'm a member of the Royal City Literary Arts Society, Century House, uh, the Royal, the New Westminster Council of Women, and the New Westminster Lawn Bowling Club. So I have a variety of interests. I'm also a member of our local Connaught Heights Neighborhood Association. Wonderful, Pat. Hi, I'm Pat Hogan, and I'm uh, with Quirky, which is the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders, which is a 14-year-old organization that meets at Britannia, when we meet in person, that is. And we've, uh, we're a writing and performance group, and we've worked and collaborated with uh, Youth for a Change, a youth group out in Surrey, for several years now. And we've just published our uh, seventh anthology. Right, and last week, I think we had a video that we were hoping to share. I don't know whether you are able to show it today or not. Did, oh, oh, well, I can look for it. Uh, you mean the video, We it wasn't shown last week? That was the one that had showed the different voices. It was a Zoom compilation? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, was, we saw that. that. Yeah, we saw yeah, a quirky we saw video. That. Well. I mean, we have a, a longer video that was used at Surrey Pride, and that was part of it, what you saw last week. Okay, all right, yeah. so I'm thinking of the other one, which we'll see probably during August. Yeah. Okay, Chris? I'm uh, Chris Morrissey. I'm a happy resident of East Bend, and I too belong to Quirky and uh, participate in that at Virginia. And uh, I've missed a few sessions because I've had some health issues, but I'm back, I hope. You're <laughs> and, welcome. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Elaine. Hi, um, my name is Elaine Wu and I'm a writer. I usually write poetry, but I also write micro essays and um, recipes and all kinds of things. Um, I'm interested in all aspects of health uh, and uh, including diet, exercise, um, uh, working for um, emotional balance. Okay. And I think, uh, have you been in touch with Sylvie about the group that's presenting next week on health? I know I haven't. Heard I mean, no, from it's her. food. I'm sorry. Next week is food and nutrition. I think um, if you are doing something with emotional health, then uh, the uh, the mentor for that group would be uh, Adele. So just make sure to get your information to her, and she would be giving you a call. Okay. I'm going to put her contact info on the chat because I, I put in my, here. I'll put in my email for you. Oh, thank you. And if you want, if it's easier to call me too, here's my number. Sure, uh, thank you. Okay, Luke, were you able to send emails to other people? Yeah, I sent it to Sylvie and uh, and Judith. Uh, and I got one as well. And, and, and also Leslie, who's already here. Yeah, okay. I figured it out after I sent the email. <laughs> so maybe to the rest of the group, because there might be other people uh, that are trying to get in on that other link. If you just send it to the BCC group. Okay, so now we're going to introduce uh, Morgan and 
who was with us for the first time last week, so you could introduce yourself again and a special guest. Hi, everybody. Um, here again, thank you for, for having me join. Um, I do the community engagement and indigenous relations for Digital Health Circle. Um, we have a partnership with the Four One One Senior Center Society as well to um, try and ensure that uh, membership is on the side of the digital divide. Um, also, I sit on the Indigenous Knowledge Keeper and Elders Society uh, board directors and. Uh, so I, I take care of right now closing to 40 um, elders and in, in the lower mainland, but we're looking to extend our, our total mandate for all of lower mainland, including Vancouver and out uh, Chilliwack as well. Um, here I have with me today one of one of those elders. Um, her name is Ruby Marks, and if you'd like to introduce yourself, Ruby, that would be great. My name is Ruby and I'm from um, Haida Gwaii. I um, work a lot with youth, Aboriginal youth, and uh, I do a lot of crafts like beading and um, basket weaving, that kind of thing. And you're also very knowledgeable in, in, our, in our medicines, our traditional medicines as well, which is, I think should be noted. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, last week, Morgan, tell about the event that, that, that you did on Sunday afternoon. Oh, yes. So um, when speaking with the elders, um, it's becoming more and more apparent that they want to have more gatherings. Um, and of course, everybody knows how challenging that can be during this time. So uh, we've kind of created a, a way to, to all meet outdoors in a park. And so last Sunday we had a picnic in Bear Creek Park where attendees were able to get to the park um, and meet there and we had a little potluck picnic and it was really great the feedback was so wonderful uh, all of the elders I think it really you know um, kind of addresses a, a small portion of that mental health aspect especially now with social isolation mm -hmm. Um, and also keeping everyone's safety in mind as well. So um, I distributed masks, we had hand sanitizer and, and things like that, but it was a really great event. And they're looking forward to, to the next one where um, I, I have some, some ideas planned. One of them will be to teach everyone how to use Zoom. Another one will be an outdoor uh, movie. So I, I have a projector and a large backyard, but of course I'd have to keep the numbers to a certain minimum given with the space and ensuring everyone has the two meter distancing and have, yeah, a little outdoor movie night. So but those are some things upcoming and the plans for the, for the elders out here. And if anybody is interested in, in joining and participating, um, let me know. And then we've given a welcome to uh, members of the elder circle to join and share stories or even around topics. It doesn't just have to be uh, indigenous stories, but around the topic when we're talking about emotional health, food and nutrition, any of the topics, people that would like to contribute, uh, we welcome and look forward to having you do that. Be great, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of the elders would, would love to contribute and share their voices for sure. Okay, so we count today a, a virtual buffet uh, with things that people might want to share. Uh, some they've been, uh, we've had people share their poetry, we've had people share stories. So who brought 
a poem or story they want to share? <laughs> um, I didn't bring a poem or a story, but if I could open um, the podcast with a land acknowledgement, um, I, I would like the opportunity to, to do so, if that's okay. That would be wonderful. Okay, so um, I'd like to begin this, this podcast or this buffet meeting um, by respectfully acknowledging the traditional unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, um, the Tosuelatuth, Musqueam, Squamish, Coquitlam, Keitsi, Semiamu, uh, Kwantlen, Kikite, Tuasin, and I think I've named them all. Um, and also, um, I would like to extend uh, our appreciation for the opportunity to hold hold this on these shared territories. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I have a story show up for later, if you'd like. Okay, you could bring that story now. Oh, okay. Um, because it's Canada Day, this is something that I recently have published in Canadian Stories. Um, and it's based on sort of family memories. So it deals and it deals with food and it deals with memories. So it seems to touch a whole bunch of bases here. Um, it's a small short story. It's a creative nonfiction. I call it Choke Cherries. And it's about um, stories that I heard from my husband's family about growing up, uh, about the ancestors growing up on the prairies, actually. Okay. The truth is elusive. Try to catch it and it scurries away into a dark corner. But sit and listen quietly and it may leap right into your lap. All my in-laws had their own interpretation of the truth. At family gatherings, I heard many versions of the same story. The facts were often the cause of disagreements, giving rise to the lively conversations which were always part of a good visit. The one person who provided hard facts was grandma, who was always an accurate source for places and dates. But these were only the matter-of-fact bones of the story. I wanted to make these bones come alive. To create a compelling story, I realized I would need to add flesh to the bones, piece by piece. Grandma's eldest daughter, Dot, told a lively tale, but I was never sure how much of what she said was true. She dwelt with fascination on the worst aspects of life, money-grabbing relatives, poverty, and near starvation. Her childhood had been hard, and it was somebody's fault. That somebody was her father. The crusty old Irishman we knew as Grandpa was Grandma's second husband. The grandfather who bore the brunt of Dot's scorn had been gone for many years. Everyone had their own idea about how he died. The most popular but least likely theory was that he choked on a cherry pit. Grandma would never say the terrible word cancer out loud. When asked how Grandpa died, she would purse her lips and shake her round little head. It wasn't a cherry pit, she would say. It was... Then she would pause, lean forward, and trace a letter C in the air with her stubby forefinger. So where did our name come from? One of the grandchildren would ask. Was Grandpa German? Oh no, he was a Frenchman. His name was Julius Eugene Hebert. He was from Michigan. Grandma once showed me an old family photo of Julius as a child, standing with his brother Louis and his sister Rose. Dressed in a velvet suit, he stood in front of his stern-faced mother Adeline 
and his barrel-chested father, Joseph, a quarry worker who would have looked at home in the wrestling ring. Adeline constantly prayed for Julius, who was a sickly child, and was convinced that her prayers had saved her son's life. But God struck a hard bargain. Joseph died young. Left with three children, Adeline survived by marrying Henry Borden. She became Grandma Borden, and the siblings became the Borden kids, although Julius kept the name Hébert and continued to speak French to his mother. After Grandma died, the aunts were going through some old photos and came across a picture of Grandma Borden. Dot looked at the picture and shuddered. That's the old witch, she spat, crumpling up the picture. She was something to do with that Lizzie Borden that killed her father with an axe. She used to yell at us kids and chase us around the house with a broomstick. Our dad was French, you know. Him and Grandma Borden used to talk to each other in French. It was real good French too, she added, tossing the offending picture onto the floor. Not that common kind. I wondered fleetingly how Dot was such an authority on a language she could not speak, but was really more interested in the photo. I picked it up and examined the poker-faced Harridan peering through the cracked surface. Arms crossed over a long black dress, she sat on the front steps of an unknown house with a girl of about three on one side and a boy of about four on the other. The children, obviously uncowed by the old witch, looked as if they were about to burst into a fit of hysterical giggles. Adeline used to work in a cook shack feeding prairie threshing crews. That was where Julius met Esther April, his future wife and our future grandma. Julius and Esther were an unlikely match. When they married in 1915, she was 17 and he was in his 30s. She was of Lutheran German descent and he was a French speaking Catholic. In addition to adjusting to these differences, Esther had to deal with her indomitable mother-in-law who seemed to deliberately shut her out by speaking French to Julius. Esther had four children in eight years. Julius worked at the flour mill in Moose Jaw. Grandma Borden, an expert seamstress, made clothes for the grandchildren from bleached flour sacks. She also babysat, although this seemed to have been a bone of contention. Mom was bringing us up Lutheran, Dot told me, but Grandma thought we'd go to hell, so she snuck us into the Catholic Church and sprinkled us with holy water. Mom never knew. Then a pile of hundred-pound flour sacks fell on Julius at the mill and broke his back. Adeline must have prayed extra hard because Julius survived again. After months in a full-body cast, he was ready to go back to work, but his job at the mill was gone. Julius and Esther sold their home in Moose Jaw and moved north to White Beach, Saskatchewan, because, Grandma said, the government was giving away free land. When the aunts got together, the White Beach homesteading days inevitably came up. Dot did most of the talking. He only went because his neighbor was going. He wasn't a farmer. He didn't know anything about building a cabin. He didn't have a clue. Useless he was. Lucky we didn't freeze to death. Then he couldn't grow nothing. There were times all we had to eat were potatoes and flour gravy. 
Sometimes Aunt Flo would manage to get a word in. That's right, Dot, those were hard times. We were lucky we didn't starve to death. Grandma never said much about life up north. She would merely provide a few telling details in her usual matter-of-fact way. It was poor land that wouldn't grow nothing. I used to dig Seneca root. I got a penny a root. Moving up north was the worst thing we ever did. Grandma never said a mean word about anybody. The worst she ever said about Julius was that he was a hard man to live with. Mum always had to be busy, said Dot. Do you remember, Flo? If Dad saw her sitting, he'd find her something to do. He made her can those tiny wild choke cherries. And you know, he was so mean, he wouldn't waste anything. When he ate those cherries, he'd swallow them, pits and all. I remember Dot. She used to hate that job. Esther's youngest daughter, Dolores, was born at White Beach. Dot continued. Mom never ate proper when she was expecting Dolores. It did something to that kid's brain. She was never right. Mom had another baby up there, too. We were miles from anywhere. No hospital, no doctor. I helped deliver it. Mom nearly bled to death. A little boy it was, three months early and still born. When the land finally produced, Esther asked Julius to dig a root cellar so they could store turnips and potatoes through the winter. But the man who was always finding jobs to keep his wife busy balked at this role reversal. Not now, I've got other things to do. If you wait too long, the ground will be frozen. Not today, my back's too sore. No longer young, Julius probably had a permanent disability from the accident at the mill. In addition, all the cherry pits he had eaten had impacted in his bowel. He probably spent his last years in constant pain. But if Esther wanted a damn root cellar, she'd get one. Julius grabbed a shovel, stormed outside, and attacked the freezing ground as if it was his old boss at the mill. His foot slipped on a patch of ice, and he fell on the handle of his shovel, which pierced his intestines. Although it was too late by the time they got him to hospital, it would have only been a matter of time. Julius had intestinal cancer, caused, they say, by all those impacted cherry pits. Esther abandoned the homestead and took her children down to her mother's farm in southern Saskatchewan. Grandma April was lovely, said Dot, and we always ate good there. With no more horrific details to share, Dot was finally silent and Flo got the last word. You know, after dad died, I heard mom say she was never so glad of choke cherries. And that's the God's honest truth. Wow, <laughs> very interesting. Um, there's a thing that we do that's called riff, and that is reflection informative, interesting, friendly feedback. So is there yes. anyone who'd like to provide some feedback? If, riff? <laughs> and I have the microphones muted just so there's a background noise. Uh, Sylvie, did, were you wanting to say something? Let me unmute, I'll, I'll, I'll unmute. Okay. Yeah, um, I only caught half of it, Leslie. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I was um, 
busy on a phone call, so I, no. I didn't get the chance to to listen to it all. So I'm not the best person to give you any feedback on that. But um, yeah, I'll listen to the recording, and if mm. we can talk, if you want to, after sure. yeah. Um, I liked it. It was cool. Uh, very descriptive. Uh, it was, yeah, it was very descriptive, and but I was just trying to understand what am what is the story kind of. If you don't mind me asking, like, is it about like roots, kind of looking at your family? Yeah, it's my husband's family. It's based on my husband's family stories. Yeah. Okay, okay cool. That was really nice. Um, mm. I think it was really like well descriptive, um, and I got a, like a nice understanding of kind of like the dynamic and also getting that reference of like oh um this what what were we where does our name come from like things mm -hmm. like that it, uh, it's a pretty thing that, it's a thing that comes up quite often so it's like a nice like looking into your family lineage yeah i think anytime you get a you know a big family group together these sort of conversations always come up and, and nobody ever really agrees you know there's always so many different sides to it yeah exactly we all have our we all have the side of history we choose to uh <laughs> I liked it too. I thought the the descript it was very descriptive. I mean, I could sort of picture it and and uh, the setting and all like that, and also the way the cherry pits just you know followed through the whole story. That that was very good. Thanks. Yeah. And certainly, uh, yeah, certainly um, the family dynamics comes out clearly. Mm -hmm. Hi, it's Judith here. I finally got signed in. I was having some problems. So Hi, thank you. I, uh, it was really intense. I did catch the last part of it. And it was really telling because it reminds me of my family's names and some stories that I heard about the depression years in my own family in the mm. prairies. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, you're welcome. I like the oh yes I like the the transitions I could just picture the family moving up and down the country that would be a good story mm -hmm. to have a video following along where you can see the places you know around the country light up but uh also you know when you said sometimes there's the person that tells the worst story uh, talking about you know the, the pits in his stomach being you know a source of cancer uh, <laughs> But uh, that was a very good uh, story that would help people within the family, you know, understand some of the people and personalities. Uh, the grandmother that was linking herself with with Lizzie Borden. It was very, mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. Yeah, and she was always, uh, she was the one that, you know, she dwelt on the negative, but nothing she ever said. I never thought that anything she said was really true. It, was, it all came from her imagination which I think is where the connection with Lizzie Borden came from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, did someone, Elizabeth said that she might have a poem. Did you have, I'm mean, sorry, Elaine, did you have a poem that you wanted to share? Um, I have a few poems. Um, some are from a new project I'm working on. Um, my, my dad is very ill and um, I want to write something to honor him, and um, I'm not sure if I'll share that work publicly um, in, in by way of publishing with a traditional publisher, 
I just thought I'd publish it privately and share with family and friends because my dad was always a very humble person and he didn't like to draw attention to himself. But when I saw him uh, last year, um, uh, he did agree for me to, to write uh, something honoring him. And um, uh, some of these, I couldn't write about my dad without writing about my family and my own past and how he responded to it. So uh, I have a poem about uh, uh, previous incidents in school. Uh, I have a poem titled in class. In the back of the classroom, ping, pang, boom, Lotus's skull split. Voice twists down, her name fractures in an ugly driving shard's beak. Despite MLK, civil rights had not marched into this classroom. She had a loss as to how to respond. Eventually, Lotus learned to prune their fronting voices delicately pick their last slivers from her brain. Um, I, I use alternative names to, to my family members. Um, I, I wasn't able to put myself fully into the, the reality of those incidents. And um, so, uh, uh, Lotus is, is the name I gave myself. Ooh, it's like a pen and, name. Uh, there were things that happened in school that I didn't have the, the understanding when I was so young to, um, to understand that things teachers said authoritatively were um, true or not. But uh, there I have another poem, it's titled Out of the Frame. Uh, this is a quote from a teacher. Um, Negroes snipped off hair or swallowed could puncture your intestine. Mr. I casually dropped off his tongue. Topic of instruction could have been osmosis passing through membranes. Why did it stick? None of us knew. Twelve-year-old suburbanite, too innocent to label his words. What's that name for it? You frame it. And uh, I have a poem um, that uh, it's a concrete poem. It's in the shape, the title is Arc. It's in the shape of an arc. Mm -hmm. And it was an incident that, uh, that someone, uh, uh, an acquaintance uh, relayed to me. Um, uh, she was working for an organization in, in I think, Delta or something, or or, or sorry, I can't remember which. And she told me the story, and I, I wrote a story around it. It's written sort of like a, uh, with um, film, film uh, jargon. Uh, day one, scene one, camera, establishing shot, action. An alabaster forearm propels a carton of fries from truck window. Camera. Cut two, sound, actual sound, smacking on turban's head, blood break ketchup, dribbling fury, action, beat, potato curls cling to white cloth, camera, break the bubble, black diesel fart in bed, camera, cut away, camera, follow shot, 
I have Citroen skin witness driving behind the truck, utter a vow to alter this tale's closure. It's a wrap. And well, I have one last Well, hold on, Elaine. Oh, okay, if we'll do that one, then we'll be able to get some reflective feedback for you. Okay. Okay. Um, it's titled Virtue of Smallness. Shattered clamshell fragments pave the crescent shore. Loose mosaic tiles, barnacle cone houses, and soft-skinned bladder rack bulbs. Pinky wide to the big toes of hard-headed clams. Bare scars, but aren't broken by ocean's hammer fist. Okay. Um, Chris, did you want to say something? Yeah, the, the 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 last one there I thought was 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 very visual, uh, and I liked the the I liked the it wasn't literal, you know. It 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 was using something else to describe to describe reality. I, I like that one. I'd like to hear it again, uh, but um, yeah, I like that one. Adele, what did you think of the one that she uses formulated like a movie script? What do you mean? Yes. <laughs> no, she, one of her poems, it was formatted like a movie script. That's amazing. Yeah. That's <laughs> good. Job. That's really cool. I like the, that creativity. Um, I had to learn how to, from writing poetry to writing scripts. It's a weird change. So that's really great. <laughs> um, I actually have a poem for you guys, too. Okay. Um, well, let's see if, if there's anyone else has a, a response yeah. for hers, and then we'll hear your poem. Okay. Uh, Leslie has her hand up, and oh, Morgan is moving. If it was an auction, Morgan, you would have bought it, <laughs> but you're moving your elbow. Okay, Leslie. Brush my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I unmute you. There, I had to unmute myself, sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so in the first poem, I really like the phrase, uh, was it Lotus learn to prune those haunting voices? I thought that was a wonderful turn of phrase. Um, I was just wondering why you chose Lotus to identify yourself. Was there some meaning behind that? Um, no, there's no meaning. I just um, wanted to I had read, been reading a lot about uh, Buddhism, and um, uh, my son, uh, he, he, he made this um, sculpture when he was very young in, in elementary school. And um, it's essentially a, a little flower pot, a tiny wee flower pot. And then it's got clay soil. And then there's, there's a uh, plastic lotus uh, stuck into the clay and I still have that little gift uh, of his and the potters painted this lovely uh, uh, pink and the lotus is fuchsia and uh, uh, I, I do like a, a shape of bread and um, mm -hmm. uh, I think the pinks are more delicate, and they, they suit older people better. <laughs> and um, 
no matter your skin tone and uh also it's feminine it's, mm -hmm. it's stereotypically feminine and um uh uh there were all kinds of reasons why lotus kind of sucks okay thanks elaine thanks for the poetry oh oh thanks for your comments leslie okay Thank you for sharing those. It gives a lot of different style ideas. We have other poets that uh, from time to time people share. And as we go into this other format, there will be sometimes that we'll have uh, a 20 minute uh, set that might just be poets. We'll have things that we're recording during this Thursday time. But as we have uh, people working on different genres, there will be times where we'll have uh, with uh, Robin people doing uh, stories, with me doing poetry, and with Adele doing interviews. So now Adele has a poem to share. Uh, I wrote this poem in response to like an image. I don't know if you guys can see this image. Uh, it's like a, you know, the David? I mean, it's, mm. Oh, yeah. So I wrote, it says, um, if only we could extend our hand and receive salvation, our world explodes into chaos. History reenacted, our suppressed pain boils to the surface. We are not the gods we falsely believed. Human beings with a rich history of cruelty. No matter what face, color, or image, we all share in the destruction as we live separated from salvation. Uh, so I wrote that um, in response to um, kind of like what's going on with uh, the state of the world and also like with all like these like movements that have been going on. Um, and so like I've been doing a lot of like frontline um, photography for a lot of the um, protests and rallies that have been going on. And I've been writing like poetry in response to um, some of it. And this is the last one too, it's pretty short as well. Um, it says, with pain slicked eyes, he emerged from the ashes, professing to the world he's human. Dear black man, does the world not know the exhaustion that plagues your existence, the pain that oozes with the fear of uncertainty? Alas, the world targets you. All we say is why, with pain slicked eyes. Yeah, so those are my two poems. Oh, really? So thanks, Adele, they're both very powerful. Yeah. I like them. I like them. Any comments? Did you have a comment? Oh, what's going on today? Somebody. Yes, Chris is unmuted. Were you raising your hand, Chris, or just moving? Oh, I have to unmute you. I mute everybody for uh, just take out background sounds, and then it's a little two-step thing to unmute people again. No, I was just moving my hand. You're like Morgan in the auction, you know, when you move something, you you bought it, you bought your opportunity. No, no, somebody else will buy it. They're going to lift their hand. There you go. Luke's just bought it. <laughs> Charlotte, I sent you a, a chat, a private chat, but I see you didn't, I don't think you saw it. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wondering, there's a, a, um, somebody I know, Noreen Braun, She's an, um, a Vancouver indigenous singer-songwriter, and she, she sent out a, a song, well, actually a whole video for Canada Day, but it's, it's beautiful. 
uh, and inspiring. And I, I'm just wondering if there was a way of, if I got the link to you to her song, if you'd be able to play it here. Well, we have our tech master. I won't call you master. <laughs> we have Luke on the line. And Luke can probably bring it up through shared screen if you give him... Uh, well, I have to look. send it to somebody. It's you know, I would just send, I would just uh, forward her her email, which has got a link to both the video and the and just the song itself. So, do I have you look? Did so I, I, I should Luke? I just send it to you, Charlotte? No, send it to Luke. Well, do you have it handy, or do you want to you want to put it well, on? Well, I just have to, I just have to look it up on my. It, it's on my laptop, which I'm on. Yeah. Um, how do I send it to you? I don't know. If, I don't think I have your email address. Or... Um, you can just post it in the chat box and then we can. Okay. All right. I'll have to look for it. All right. Okay. Um, Elder Marks, did you have uh, something that you would like to share from poetry or commentary on the, today? Actually, I don't have any poetry, but um, I could tell you a little bit about my life, my upbringing. Okay. I was uh, put into a foster home when I was almost five. Um, I'm in Vancouver, and actually West Vancouver, but uh, and my mom had 13 children. Uh, we were all fostered except for her last one. Um, I didn't know my siblings growing up, so it made it quite, I started meeting my siblings when I was probably 25 when, when I started meeting them. Um, I grew up with two, two siblings, my sister, older sister, older brother. Um, and it's been bringing up a lot of issues lately because I just lost the brother that um, I grew up with. Um, yeah, it's it's been quite a quite a journey, actually. I'm going to call it. Um, he was kind of my caregiver, my my um, protector, my my brother. So it's um. Canada Day, we, a lot of uh, Aboriginal people don't really kind of celebrate it because of that particular story that I, or my upbringing. A lot of uh, Aboriginal people have grown up with that, um, being taken away from their families and losing, losing um, their culture, their language, not being able to um, connect connect with um, their families. Um, I may come back to it. That That's all I'm going to say for now. Well, thank you for sharing that and helping to understand because at the end of the news last night, they showed some of the protest and uh, cease Canada Day or anti-Canada Day celebrations and uh, I think it helps for people to understand uh, why. Uh, 
Adele, did you hear or go to any of the, do any documenting at any of the protests against Canada Day? Not, not, no, I, I didn't go out to do the front line this time because I was moving yesterday. I'm in a new house. I just got in, I just moved. Um, but a lot of my friends were there and some of my friends were performing. Um, there was actually a, a few things that were happening. So at Trout Lake, they were having a BIPOC, um, what's it called? Yeah, they were having a BIPOC celebration. Um, which was celebrating the diversity. Um, and so they were having like indigenous people doing some um, some traditional performances. They're having um, dancers from the community. Um, and if some of you guys don't know what BIPOC is, it's Black Indigenous People of Color. Um, and so like, that's the new uh, term for everybody who's kind of on the, like, for all of us who are minorities, even though we actually end up making the majority when we're all get grouped together. Um, but uh, a lot of the industries are trying to uh, use, coin the term uh, to be uh, for more inclusive spaces. Um, and so that, so a Black Indigenous People of Color celebration of Canada Day is just sharing their differences of culture. Um, and it was really cool. I was just seeing some uh, videos and it was a really nice way to celebrate. They were also having a march at um, the Vancouver Art Gallery and people were marching against um, we were marching against Canada Day, and this was actually led by a group of Indigenous people, I think. Um, just from what I saw online, there were like Indigenous people talking about why they don't celebrate Canada Day and why, they, uh, why they're standing against it and why they're marching against it. And that's completely fair because uh, they stole land from people and now they're just trying to create laws to force, like it's just, it's just really dumb. Anyways, I have a lot to say about that, but I'm not gonna get into it. Um, so yeah, so there's just a, a lot of, there's a lot of subgroups that are trying to figure out like how, like how are we gonna fight against uh, all these injustices that have been caused by imperialists? Um, and uh, how are we gonna reclaim? And my kind of stance was, I'm not even gonna acknowledge the day. I'm not even gonna like, I'm not even gonna go out. I'm not gonna walk. I'm just gonna make, make it like any other day. And so that was my silent protest. But everybody else was on the street um, and doing their own things to celebrate. But we don't need to even acknowledge the day. If nobody ever celebrated Canada Day, they would eventually stop. So like that's probably the better way instead of protesting. But that's my own opinion. Anyways, back to you. <laughs> um, I, I kind of did the same. I couldn't go out anyway because of because of some physical things. But but um, I've been very uh, very challenged. Not challenged, but um, uh, thinking about everything. I mean, I am. A settler. I am an immigrant to Canada. I came with my family. And so, you know, thinking about that and thinking about how that came to be, there was one of the things that I think, Leslie, you said in your story, because they had been given this land, the government gave them mm. this land. And the first thing that went through my head was, well, it wasn't really theirs to give. Yeah. So, so I, I, I did the same thing. I, I, I didn't wear red or white. I stayed home because I couldn't go to the protest. Um, but I think, I think the, more, the more we understand um, the history and what's happened um, in, in our country, the, the, better, the better we'll be for it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I struggle sometimes because I don't know 
you know, uh, it's hard as an individual to see where to go. Um, I work with refugees. And uh, so one of the things we're looking at and thinking about is how do we, how do we make sure that newcomers to Canada understand the history? And how do we set up some kind of process so that the people whose land it is welcomes them welcomes them to to be here on this land um because i know i know that there's always been a great spirit of of sharing and openness in terms of aboriginal folks and so i don't i think that would be very very similar um so looking to see what i mean small gestures that we can do that actually acknowledges the painful history that our country has and that Canada Day really, really shows, right? I mean, yeah, and, and I didn't watch any of the things on TV, but I know from past Canada Days, they've always had, quote, Indian dancers, um, you know, so like showing off. Uh, I mean, Canada likes to show off. Um, and, and so having, having dancers wearing wearing um, average, uh, wearing in, indigenous clothing and dancing and all that kind of stuff, which is a show. It's, it does, it's not really genuine um, because it, so then what? Then what? Where it, what happens next? <laughs> not much of anything. So anyway, yeah, so I, I sort of did the silent protest as well. Morgan, yeah. what do you think? I was going to ask Mark, Morgan, what your think it, thought is about some of the protests were talking about the number of indigenous men and women who've been murdered, crimes that haven't been solved, and the need for advocacy to get those crimes solved. That the Red uh, Women Rising report, mm -hmm. it's a year old and none of the things have been resolved. But what are your thoughts about uh, the protest and Canada Day? Um, for me, uh, I did my own silent protest as well. Um, I, I stopped celebrating Canada a few years ago when I became getting more educated with my, with my culture and my people. And so um, to what Chris was saying, how the news or certain shows highlight um, Indigenous community members in the regalia celebrating Canada Day, I don't know. I think that I don't know how accurate that is. I know um, I'm not the only um, Indigenous um, person that does not celebrate this day. So, um, and I think it's yeah, it's 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 pretty common within our community. Um, but with the protesting for people to go out and protest against it, I, I stand behind that. Um, but I also, I also do recognize, though, that there is, you know, newcomers as well, and they, they want to celebrate being Canadian, and I think they absolutely should, should do that. Um, but again, going back to Chris's comment, there is such an importance to teach the newcomers as they come. I mean, if, if Indigenous people had that opportunity to do that, hundreds of years ago and to, to mm -hmm. teach about the land, about mother earth, about creator and our spirituality and our culture and our way of life and always giving back and kind of like a circle and everything is kind of like always um, in a circle, there's always balance. And I think teaching, you know, 
just because we we had that opportunity taken away from us to teach years ago doesn't mean that we can't do it now at every opportunity that we have so for to connect with um, newcomers and and people um, coming to Canada I think is is very important to to teach them um, all, all of those things that brings another point uh, when we were talking uh, about the history, I interviewed uh, a panel on CJSF. Some of you might know on set Friday mornings, I do a speak up show. And we've been talking about uh, black history, the problem that exists when people don't know their history, indigenous history. So uh, last year when the, the city planning council brought together different groups, and one of the things that people said that should be done is have newcomers, have a center where newcomers come and learn the history. But there's an effort underway to have a true history taught because if it's just the same history that people have that don't talk about the contributions, don't give the full breadth of what happened with the settlers, don't talk about those things, then people just get an abbreviated history. Uh, one of the things that's happening within radio CJSF belongs to this National Association of Collegiate Radio, and they had a caucus for those initials, BICOP, Black Indigenous People of, of Color, uh, to talk about ways that we might also use radio differently. So we are working toward looking at some broadcasts that would be heard across the, the country from all of the different stations that would have people who are instructors of students, researchers in black history, indigenous history, history of other people of color, and push, push toward having the ministries of education get the curriculum change. Uh, I did an interview that included uh, some young adult black Canadians around what they experienced within the Canadian school system. Nothing about their history are being made fun of about their hair, clothes, et cetera. And Adele uh, created a, 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 a program, a workshop during Black History Month and presented it at a school where the principal apologized to her for how they had treated her when she was a child there. But that's one model of a curriculum. So we're looking for uh, using the media in a way that people who have studied, people who do have models could present them so people could hear them across all of the provinces, but also push to put in that the advocacy. Like so, uh, I think it's uh, Sylvie listened to the broadcast and she wrote a letter to the ministry. Was the Ministry of Education you wrote a letter to? Uh, wait, I, I did, I, I, was, um, I, I was really, and still, do get emotional when I think about the the treatment of those children. It's, it was it's shocking, appalling, and you know how it's been allowed um, to go on so long is beyond my comprehension. And something needs to change. And I include Indigenous children in that too. It's just it, it's it's um, quite quite unbelievable. So. Um, <laughs> feeling um, as I have, you know, kind of useless, powerless to do anything. I thought, well, okay, I, I can do this. It's, it, it's, it's something, I can do this, I can. So yes, I, I, I sent a letter and said, I think you ought to change the curriculum, include some BIPOC 
history into uh, into it, um, you know, and, and um, preferably taught by, um, you know, black teachers and indigenous teachers, not by white, not by white teachers. Um, don't get me wrong, I have the greatest respect for teachers of all colors, but, but honestly, you just can't, if you're white, you cannot possibly, you cannot possibly, you have not lived the experience. And so I, I think you cannot portray the events of history in the right context.